0: Good morning, everyone. Happy April 23rd to each and every one of you. It's great to have you here today. Um, And good morning as well to everyone that's tuning in online. Thank you so much for being here. I want to invite you to stand with us, and I want to kick off the morning just by kind of focusing our hearts and our minds on gratitude. I'm sure... If we uh, all took some time right now, we could all just share lots of things that we are grateful for. So let's allow that to fuel our worship here for a few moments. This is Grateful. One, two,
1: three. All right, this is the day. Let's sing it. This is the day that you have made, whatever comes, I will complain, for all my hope is in your name, and now your are awaits oh, my praise. And we give thanks. Come, all you weary, come, all you thirsty, come to the well that never runs out.
0: so much to uh, so many reasons to to praise him today and uh, this uh, next song we're going to do we introduced it last week and here are just a few of the reasons that this song mentions that the curse of sin is broken because of Jesus finished work on the cross the curse of sin is broken the darkness runs from light I said the right word also. runs not hides I kept singing it wrong in rehearsal <laughs> There's a reason that we stand here now forgiven, and that is because Jesus is alive. Amen indeed.
1: There's a reason why the curse of sin is broken. There's a reason why the darkness runs from light.
0: All right, folks, let's continue with our worship right now. Our God is holy. Our God is awesome. He is worthy of our praise. He's not just holy today. He is holy forever.
1: God. Mm-hmm.
2: connection with others is crucial to our spiritual growth. Our small groups exist as a way for people to experience that connection, and our groups enable us to go deep into the study of God's word, encourage and pray for others, and receive that encouragement from others as well. And they help us become more like Jesus in every area of our lives. We have a few small groups that are currently meeting, and for more information on these groups, you can either tap the groups option on our app, or you can visit solanovalley.org forward slash connect. We also appreciate all of you who give faithfully to our mission of making disciples. Our desire as a church is to see people say yes to a lifetime of following Jesus, and that will never change. So we appreciate your continued generosity and your desire to worship God with what he has entrusted to you. There are several different ways that you can worship by giving, and you can find them, again, on our website, solanovalley.org, forward slash giving, and also by tapping the Give button on our SVC app, or if you're here in person, we have a silver mail slot on the back wall that you can put your... um, donation contribution to us in there Um, and then at this time I will pass it over to Gary.
3: All right thank you so much Elsa I really appreciate that. Uh, Thank you guys for being here I'm really glad you're here today each one of you and uh, it's really really good to see you guys if you're joining us either from Facebook or YouTube we're really glad you're with us as well. Uh, today we 're going to be looking at Acts chapter one verses twelve through twenty six so if you have a Bible you want to open up to that, that would be good. Uh, real quick, let me tell you something about your notes. Uh, we passed out notes beforehand, uh, and a little bit about the way these are put together is I just put down space like under the introduction, if there are thoughts or ideas that you want to put there or under an overview of the Holy Spirit which we 're going to go over today, and then anything that comes to your mind while we 're reading the text. And then I have some some uh, I have some points that we're going to fill out as we work through this. But on the back, I have some questions for you for reflection and application. Uh, I did not read through these questions a second time. So if you see a word missing and a sentence doesn't make sense, just I don't know. Uh, sorry. Uh, but uh, but the, uh, the the purpose of this is because uh, because you're not kids anymore. Nobody gives you homework. So I'm giving you homework. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, actually, what this is for, this is for you to ignore. If you want to ignore it, that's fine. Uh, but if you don't, you know, if you would like to maybe read or study, think more about what we looked at, uh, the questions are intended to kind of help you think through, reflect on what the Bible teaches and how it applies to our lives. I've also included in here a lot of different scripture. This is something you could do uh, a, maybe a question a day if you want to do it that way. You can do it in your regular quiet time uh, if that's a part of your weekly or your daily habit. Uh, you could do this with your spouse if you wanted to. Uh, you can also do it like in uh, a small group, so the purpose of that is just simply to serve you, not to overwhelm you. so I'll just kind of let you know what those are about. I did it for the first time last week uh, and uh, doing it again this week, just so you can kind of look at that um, so real quick, let me talk to you about four kinds of Christians real quickly okay let 's talk about four kinds of christians so so there are when we talk about the Holy Spirit, when we talk about the Holy Spirit. Uh, and, and Max Licato talks about this in his book uh, entitled Help is Here. And he talks about two kinds of Christians, but I'm going to talk about four. Uh, the one group that Max Licato talks about when it comes to the Holy Spirit is he talks about this group that are kind of like, I I have the Spirit and you don't, Christian. You know, there is the I have the Holy Spirit and you don't kind of Christian. And, and and sometimes this kind of person, and and, and this is not like a, a denomination necessarily, although in some denominations you may see more people like this. Uh, but it, it, oftentimes uh, they come out of a background tradition, uh, and what they do is they're kind of like, "Well, we're a little bit, we're a little bit more elite or a little bit better than you guys." Okay. Uh, then there is a different kind of Christian. And Max Nakedo comes out of this background, and I do too, okay? This is the background he came out of. He grew up Church of Christ. I grew up in a Baptistic church uh, in Little Rock, Arkansas. And so we both have a similar background. But it's the Holy Spirit police Christian, okay? It's the Holy Spirit police. These are the people who are uh, anything that appears to be even a little bit sensational. They're very, very suspicious of it, Okay? And and they're afraid of people losing control and getting crazy. All right? That's who these people are. They are the Holy Spirit police Christian. The third kind of Christian, and I'm just going to say this was really me. This was really me as a teenager. And I'm not sure what to call this person, except that I'm getting Lots of email or text all of a sudden. Okay, it's my family. Uh, so, um, but but the, the impoverished Christian, they're kind of like this. They're kind of like, uh, imagine someone living up in gold country. And they have a little lot of land that they have bought. And they are like way in debt with it. Uh, they have a little, you know, mobile home. Nothing else people live in mobile homes. I used to live in a mobile home when I was younger. Uh, but they live in a little mobile home there, and they are making a garden that they're trying to, to eat from to kind of supplement what they cannot afford, and they are living below the poverty level. They're living below the poverty level Christian, okay? Meanwhile, underneath their property, there is a deposit of gold. Just just a few feet below their property, there is a deposit of gold that's larger than any deposit of gold ever, anywhere, and on all this planet Earth. What they don't realize is they're living like they're completely impoverished, and yet they are wealthy beyond belief. It's the spiritually impoverished Christian. And that's the way I was living when I was about 16 years old. Finally, there's a fourth kind of Christian, and I'm going to call this person the spirit-filled or growing Christian. This is a person who's learning day by day, just one day at a time. They're learning a little bit more every day what it means to walk by the Spirit. They're learning day by day what it looks like to walk by the Spirit and to begin to see the fruit of the Spirit in their lives. Like, the fruit of the Spirit, like love. There's more love in their life. There's more joy in their life. Day by day, more joy, more peace, more patience, more kindness, more joy faithfulness, more gentleness, more self-control. It's not like they are instantaneously microwave perfect Christian, but they are little by little, day by day, walking by the, the Spirit, experiencing more the fruit of the Spirit in their life. They are experiencing little bit, day by day, more and more the power of the Holy Spirit that we talked about last week. Because one of the things that that Jesus told his disciples, he said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. You will be my witnesses right where you are and everywhere I take you. Beginning in Jerusalem, then on Judea, Samaria, then to the ends of the earth. But everywhere you go, you're going to be a witness for me. And these people are learning day by day. And they are beginning to experience more and more, day by day, the power of the Holy Spirit to help them when they're interacting with people who don't know Jesus and how to be a witness to them. A witness through the words they say, a witness through the deeds they do. This kind of Christian, this spirit filled or this, this uh, growing Christian is a person who understands that God has gifted them. They understand that every ability they have, Every gift that they have, whether it's a spiritual gift or a natural gift, they recognize it is a gift. That all of their abilities, whatever their abilities are, these abilities have been given to them by God to be used for the purpose of glorifying God. That every ability that's been given to these people was given to them to serve Jesus by serving The bride of Jesus, the body of Jesus that we call the church. And they are actively giving themselves over and over again to serve others. Four kinds of Christians, four kinds of Christians. Those who I have the spirit, you don't Christian, the Holy Spirit Christian, the spiritually impoverished Christian, the spirit filled growing Christian. And what I want you to think about is I want you to think about what kind of Christian are you? Now, the reason I bring this up is because we are doing a series on the book of Acts and we're calling it power, how the spirit makes all the difference in the world, how the spirit changes everything in the book of Acts. You will see more. You will see the Holy Spirit mentioned in the book of Acts more than in any other book of the Bible. Did you know that? And the second book that you see the most references to uh, about the Holy Spirit is in the book of Luke. Both the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts were both written by Luke, written to a man named Theophilus, but was written for you and for me today as well. And so uh, he talks a lot about the Holy Spirit. Because there's a lot of ignorance about the the Holy Spirit, what I'm going to be trying to do is, as we're working through Acts... I want to answer questions for you about the Holy Spirit. Okay? I want to answer some questions for you. So, questions, and I wrote up 15, all right? I've, that's what I've started with so far. 15 questions. And these questions include things like, who is the Holy Spirit? Who is the Holy Spirit? And just real quickly, let me just kind of fill that in for you. Who is the Holy Spirit? He is the third person of the Trinity. The third person of the Trinity. The Trinity, uh, how do you explain the Trinity? Real quickly, I'll give you a quick fast explanation, really simple. The Trinity is this. God is three persons. God is three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Each person is fully God. The Father is fully God. Uh, God the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ is fully God. God the Holy Spirit is fully God. All three persons are fully God and have all the attributes of God. And there's one God. See, three persons, all fully God, one God. And that's the Trinity. And so the Holy Spirit is the third person in the Trinity. Uh, he is uh, fully God with all the attributes of God as the God the Father, God the Son. Uh, and he is a person. I want to emphasize this. He is a person. When you read through the scriptures, you see that the Holy Spirit is a person. He's never called it. You should never refer to the Holy Spirit as being an it. He is not an impersonal force. He is a person. In fact, a personal pronoun is always used to speak of the Holy Spirit. The word spirit, actually the Greek word spirit, is neuter. It's neither masculine nor gender. But the Holy Spirit is never spoken of as a yet. It it's always uses he, him, his when speaking of the Holy Spirit. It uses a pronoun, a personal pronoun. He is. Uh, he, he has emotion. That he's grieved by sin. He has a will. Uh, He is fully, completely a person. Uh, And then also, uh, how does the Holy Spirit speak to us? And just real briefly, let me speak to this. Is how does the Holy Spirit speak to us? And the Holy Spirit speaks, and we're going to look at this a little bit more. But the Holy Spirit speaks to us through his, his word, the Bible. The Bible was given to us through the Holy Spirit. We're going to look at that a little bit more detail today. And as our hearts and minds are shaped by Scripture, then we begin to recognize the whispers of the Holy Spirit in our daily lives in in every kind of thing that we're facing. But the more I fill my mind with scripture, the more you fill your heart, your mind with scripture, the more our hearts and minds are shaped by scripture, the more we hear the voice of the spirit in our lives. So, real quickly. And then I've got a bunch of other, uh, uh, questions that we're going to be addressing little by little as we go along. Uh, questions like, what is the baptism of the, of the spirit? We're going to talk about that next week. Uh, what is the fullness of the holy spirit? Uh what is the gift of signs? We'll re- talk about that a little bit when we get into Acts chapter 2 uh, next week. Uh, what is the role of the Spirit in witnessing? We'll actually see that next week when we look at Acts 2. Um, uh, so we're going to look at a lot of other questions. So I don't want to bombard you with too much uh, just yet. Let me do this. Let me uh, Let me pray for us, and then we're going to dig into God's Word. Can we do that? Let's pray. God, you are great. You are awesome. You are good. You are faithful. Uh, God, we want to thank you for your word. Holy Spirit, we thank you for moving people so that the very words they wrote became your words, the word of God for us. And we want to thank you for that. God, give us uh, eyes to see. Give us ears to hear. Give us hearts uh, to understand. Uh, Lord, help us to humbly receive the word implanted that's able to save our souls. God, I pray that we will not just be hearers of the word, but doers of the word. Lord, I pray we won't just be informed by the word, but transformed by the word, changed in our thinking, changed in our affections, changed in our attitudes, changed in our priorities and our pursuits. Lord, we want to be more like Jesus, and so we just pray that you would, uh, that you would meet with us today and that you would work in our lives as we look at the scriptures together. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Um verse 12, Acts chapter 1, verse 12, says, Then the apostles returned to Jer- Jerusalem uh, from the hill called the Mount of Olives. So, very, very quickly, let's go back. Let's back up a little bit. Last week, we, wo- we looked through Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. And what happens in Acts 1, 1 through 11, is the Bible tells us that Jesus appeared to his disciples... Over a time frame of 40 days. Can you say 40 days? 40 days. Jesus did not just appear to his disciples once or twice. He appeared to them repeatedly over 40 days. And this is what the Bible says. With many convincing proofs. Can you say convincing proofs? Their faith was founded on fact. Their faith was founded on convincing proofs. Their faith was not just kind of this wild leaf in the dark. Their faith was a very reasonable faith. And they had seen Jesus repeatedly over a period of 40 days with these many convincing proofs. And what Jesus was doing is he was teaching them, the Bible says, teaching them about the kingdom of God. Wouldn't you love to have been a part of those conversations? That's a Bible study. That's the small group I want to be in. I want to be in a Jesus small group. By the way, it wasn't that small. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 that one time he appeared to more than 500 people on one occasion. So he was bringing to them evidence for believing in him, and he was teaching them about, uh, 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 about the kingdom of God. And the Bible says uh, he was eating with them, my favorite part, Okay. Uh, is that that you know when Jesus sat down with his disciples, it was like you know how you know uh, sharing a meal with family or with good friends isn't that a lot of fun, and that's what Jesus did with his disciples, and he was instructing them, and one of the things he told them is he told them stay in Jerusalem, stay in Jerusalem until you receive what my Father promised to you, for uh, not many days from now. Uh, John baptized you with water, but not many days from now, you will be baptized by the Holy Spirit. Not many days, and we're going to talk about that next week. And so they're waiting for this baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so they ask Jesus, is it at this time you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And Jesus says, it's not for you to know the times and epochs. The Father is fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will receive power. The Christian faith is a powerful faith. You will receive power and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria, to the ends of the earth. That's what the book of Acts is about. It's about the power of the Holy Spirit in God's people, then, God's people today, being witnesses for Jesus right where we are and everywhere we go. In our Jerusalem, in our Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. See, the Christian religion isn't just showing up at a church and listening to someone like me talk about the Bible. It's about being changed by the Word of God and being changed by the Spirit of God. In a way that we become compelling witnesses for Jesus. You want to know how to be a compelling witness for Jesus? Walk by the Spirit. So that the fruit of the Spirit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control fills your life. And your life becomes a witness to Jesus. And you know what happens? People start wanting to know more about this Jesus That has changed you. Our world needs that kind of change. And it needs it in us. Um, So. Jesus talks about all this stuff with his disciples. And then the Bible tells us that he ascended up into heaven. Into the clouds. uh, And he disappears. And a couple angels tell the disciples. Hey, what are you doing? Looking up in the skies. This Jesus will come again the same way that he's left. Verse 12. Then. Then, then, the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath's day walk from the city. Very strange little phrase, a Sabbath's day walk. This didn't happen on the Sabbath. But the Sabbath's day walk was, you were limited how far you could walk on the Sabbath. In the distance of a Sabbath, Sabbath, I can't say this very well, Sabbath's day's walk was, uh, was 2,000 cubits or roughly about, that'd be, yeah, like, like, like three-fourths of a mile. You know, two-thirds, three-fourths of a mile. Somewhere in there. So, it, it's not like a real long distance. So they returned to Jerusalem, uh, in, uh, in verse 13. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. So they, were, they had been staying in this room. And apparently this is where a lot of the Jesus meetings were happening. The Jesus gatherings. And when they arrived, they, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus. Uh, There's James, son of Zebedee, but James, son of Alphaeus. Uh, And uh, Simon, the zealot. So there's Simon Peter, but there's also Simon, the zealot. And then there's Judas, son of James. This is not Judas Iscariot. Judas Iscariot's dead at this point. Okay? So there's 11 of the original 12 apostles all gathered together. They're all gathered together and they're gathered there. it says uh, verse 14, they all join together constantly, circle that word. they all join together constantly in prayer, along with the women. what women? Well probably the women who went to discover to, to the, the tomb on Easter morning when the tomb was empty. okay And understand all of these things are happening within a month and a half. Of the resurrection of Jesus. This is what happens in the first few weeks. And so uh, they all join together, the Bible tells us, uh, constantly in prayer with the women, with Mary, the mother of Jesus, with his brothers. Real quickly, the brothers of Jesus, uh, and we know of at least four of them. Uh, there was Simon, there was Joseph, which is another way of saying Joseph. There was Jude, which is another form of Judas. Judas, Jude, Judas was a very common name back then. Okay, We don't name our sons judas anymore okay uh but uh and then also who did i leave out i left out one oh james 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 how can i leave out james because james ends up being one of the most important leaders in the church in jerusalem within a very very short time of this uh, but they did not believe in in jesus in the time of his earthly ministry but after seeing the resurrected Christ, you know when you see you know when your brother tells you hey i'm the son of god you think your brother's nuts okay But when your brother rises from the dead, you're like, oh, maybe he really is the son of God. Okay, maybe he really is the Messiah. Um, So they're joining together. They're praying. Verse 15, it says, in those days, Peter stood up among the believers. Understand this. A few days before this, Peter denied knowing Jesus. He denied knowing Jesus. And now he's standing up as a leader. He's standing up as a leader and it says, in those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering uh, uh, 120. And he said, brothers and sisters, the scripture had to be fulfilled. What, what scripture? We'll see that in a few moments. Okay. It, there are a couple of different. He's going to quote from a couple of different places in the book of Acts, uh, quoting from David. And, and what he says is this. He says, brothers and sisters, the scripture had to be fulfilled, by the way. Scripture must always be fulfilled. Jesus is the fulfillment of scripture. The God's word always accomplishes God's purpose. And scripture must always be fulfilled. And Peter says, uh, the scripture had to be fulfilled in which the Holy Spirit underline those words. The Holy Spirit spoke. See, when we read scripture, the Holy Spirit speaks. Um, the Scripture had to be fulfilled in which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through David. Through David. See, that's how God speaks. It, the, the word we hold in our hands is the word of God. Given to us from the Holy Spirit through men like David. Like Luke, like others. Uh, the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through David concerning Judas, who served as a guide for those who arrested Jesus. He was one of the number, our number, and shared in our ministry. Now, at this point in time, verses 18 and 19 is kind of like this parentheses. Actually, it is in parentheses in my Bible, okay? There's this parenthetical statement. So understand, who was this written to? Theophilus. Was it written to you? No, it was written for you. It was written to Theophilus, okay? This was written 2,000 years before we were born, all right? So my name doesn't show up in here, okay? that doesn't mean it's not written for me. It just wasn't written to me. It was written to a guy named Theophilus. Theophilus had questions. I My guess would be one of the questions Theophilus had was, what happened to Judas? Wouldn't that be a natural question to have? Yeah. What happened to Judas? And so this statement is by Luke to Theophilus. It's not by Peter when he's speaking to all these people. So just bear that in mind. This is a parenthesis into the story, which makes the reading of the story a little bit awkward. And so what Luke does is he talks briefly about Judas. So can I talk briefly about Judas real quickly? So what the scripture says, it says this. With the payment, he, Judas, his wickedness. Remember what Judas did? He betrayed Jesus. What did the priest do? They gave him 30 pieces of silver. You remember that story? And what does Judas do? He took the money initially, but then he went back. He was grieved by what he did. He tried to give it back to the priest. That's what the Bible tells us. They wouldn't take it. Well, they wouldn't take it for themselves. He throws it into the temple. They collect the money. They use the money to buy a field that was used for a cemetery. We read about this in Matthew chapter 27. What does Judas do after that? That's right. He kills himself. The Bible says he goes out to this field called Acheldama, the field of blood, and he hangs himself. You remember that? Matthew 27. You've read that. Peter says, with the payment Judas received for his wickedness, Judas bought a field. There he fell headlong. Wait a second. What happened to the hanging? There Judas fell headlong. His body burst open and all his intestines spilled out. I love this. This is a guy's sermon. This is a guy's text. His guts spilled out. Can you say guts? (laughs) Or if you're British, you could say his numbles spilled out. Or if you're from Arkansas, you can say his innards. Okay? Okay, so he he falls headlong. He bursts open, um, and his intestines spilled out. And the Bible says everyone in Jerusalem heard about this, so they called the field in their language a keldama, that is, the field of blood. So very quickly, very quickly, who tells the story right, Matthew or Luke? Who tells the story correctly? Both. Both, exactly. Okay, They, they both tell the story correctly. Whenever two people tell a story and people have witnessed a story, uh, like if you're a police officer and you're wanting to get what happened maybe in a crime scene or an accident scene, you're asking questions. What did you see? What happened? Different people see different parts of the story, tell different parts of the story, and they tell it differently. Sometimes people can see two parts of the story and still tell it differently because one person is highly detailed. The other person is, let's just get to the point. Okay? Um, and so what... Uh, so the reason I brought this with me today, it's called the ESV Study Bible. Have you ever heard me talk about this? There are a lot of study Bibles that, that are in the ESV, but they're not the ESV Study Bible. The ESV Study Bible is a study Bible put together by the actual scholars who did the actual translation from Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek into English. The introductions in this Bible were written by the actual scholars who did the interpretive work. The study notes in the Bible is by actual Bible scholars, okay? Uh, So this is not a pastoral study Bible written by a pastor. These are written, This is these notes were put together by true scholars. I believe this is a great tool for every Christian. I really do. And to me, whenever you have a question like this, you're like, well, what happened was, did Judas hang himself or did he fall headlong and his body burst open? So if you read this or maybe you read the Bible knowledge commentary or a couple other commentaries, what you read is this. Okay, Uh, what some people believe, some Bible students believe, some people believe that what happened is that Judas hung himself close to a cliff. The rope broke or the branch broke and he fell headlong uh, off the cliff onto the rocks. Body splatters. Okay, sorry if that's sounds messy, okay? Uh, the other possibility that a lot of Bible students believe is is very, very possible. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen, <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't mean to laugh, but the riding corpse of an animal, let's just say animal, okay? Uh, you know what happens to a riding corpse of an animal after it's been there for a while? Yeah, it begins to kind of bloat, it begins to kind of swell. Um, and the same thing happens to the human body. Uh, some people believe what happened is that he was hanging for quite some time. Uh, His body was in a state of decomposition, uh, and it, uh, at some point, uh, you know, as it's, I'm sorry, I don't know how to say this kindly, and it's messy, all right? It begins to rot and falls to the ground and bursts open, all right? Uh, Either one of those. So what we have here is not necessarily contradictory stories, but complementary stories. Uh, that in Matthew, Matthew's telling the front end of the story, and Peter, he is, he kind of, he's like me a little bit. He's kind of like, I, he's got this inner 13 year old, and he likes to talk, talk about the guts part. He keeps bringing up, you know, guts and mumbles and innards, okay? Uh, that's Peter. So, um, back to the point that Peter was making, okay? So, the, uh, Luke explains for Theophilus what happened to Judas. Back to the point. Okay, so, so in verse 16, Peter says, brothers, sisters, the scripture had to be fulfilled in which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago to David concerning Judas. Then you drop down to verse 20. For, said Peter, it is written in the book of the Psalms. This is Psalm 69. May his, Judas' place, be deserted, that there be no one to dwell in it. And then he quotes from another psalm. This is Psalm uh, 109. Where he says, may another take his, that, the place of Judas, may another take his place of leadership. Verse 21, Peter says, therefore it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time. Now, they're getting ready to go out, receive power. The Holy Spirit's going to come on them. They're going to receive power. They're going to be witnesses for Jesus. Remember that? They're going to be witnesses for Jesus. And when Jesus originally appointed the twelve, representing the twelve tribes of Israel, there were twelve. Now there's only eleven. So Peter says it's necessary to choose one more man who has been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus was living among us. Beginning with, or beginning from, John's baptism. See, John the Baptist baptized Jesus. This is the beginning point of the ministry of Jesus. So he says... We need to choose someone who is with us from the beginning, from John's baptism, to the time when Jesus was taken up from us, meaning his resurrection and then his ascension. So to be a witness, you actually have to be a witness. Does that make sense? You can't be a witness to something you haven't seen and experienced. So they come up with uh, two guys. For one of these uh, must become a witness with us. So they nominated two men, uh, Joseph, called Barsabbas also known as Justice and Matthias. Then they prayed. That's a good thing to do whenever you're making a decision. It's a good idea to pray, right? Then they prayed. Then they prayed. Lord, you know everyone's heart. By the way, the heart is always the most important thing to look for in leadership. I'm sorry. This is not about the sermon today. I'm just going to say this. This has got to be said. And you really need to understand this. Today... We are more focused on charisma in leadership than we are on character in leadership. You know why we keep getting disappointed again and again and again by the behavior of leaders? It's because we choose people who are very charismatic in their personality, they draw people to themselves. And what happens is we look for charismatic leaders and we overlook character in leaders. I would rather have a man in leadership or a woman in leadership who is godly and has integrity, than simply has talent. We need to get back to what the Bible talks about. We need to look for and expect integrity in our leaders, not Celebrity. In our leaders. And we need to quit. You know, it's crazy. We'll take someone who's really talented with a basketball. We'll take someone who's really talented with a football. We'll take someone who's really talented at singing or playing a musical instrument. And we'll make that person a worship leader. Or we'll make that person a speaker at an event. But how you play football how you play basketball, how you play the guitar, says nothing about the true condition of your heart. We have got to look for integrity and in leadership. We have got to look for character, not charisma. And so what they did is when they prayed, they said, Lord, you know, you know, um, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen to take uh, over this apostolic ministry, which Judas left to go where he belongs. Then they cast lots. The lot fell to uh, Matthias. So he was added to the 11 apostles. Uh, very quickly, casting of lots sounds kind of like a weird way to choose leaders. Wouldn't you agree? It does kind of, okay? Just understand, this is the only place in the Bible where they cast lots. Uh, there In the Old Testament in Israel... Uh, They had the Urim and the Thummim. Are you familiar with this? Any of y'all heard of this in the Old Testament? Sometimes the Urim and the Thummim were used in making decisions. Okay. Now, anytime a decision needed to be made, for the nation of Israel, where there was not clear biblical revelation in the Old Testament scriptures, they would use this. And it was thought to believe that w- there was two rocks, two stones, one was black, one was white. and It was somehow used like casting lots, and that's how they would make decisions. Uh, also, the book of Proverbs, I think it's chapter 16, verse 31, uh, the Bible says something like this. It says that the lot is cast into the lap, but God is the one who determines the outcome. And what it means is it means this, is that even things that appear to be left to chance are ultimately under the sovereign hand of God. Okay? That everything, God is outrageously in charge. All right? And that's what we mean when we say God is sovereign. He is outrageously in charge. Nothing is too little. Nothing is too little. God is indifferent to nothing. He's indifferent to nothing. Everything. He is intimately acquainted with every single detail in in our lives um and so what um uh, I would guess that probably these apostles on this occasion were probably thinking of proverbs sixteen thirty one when they cast the lots now, just so you understand uh someone might say, is casting lots a good way to make decisions today, like you know should I cast lots to determine whether or not like My my daughter, Faith, uh, she was home this weekend. It was great. Spent time with her, with her new fiance, with Andrew. Um, Andrew did not cast lots to decide whether or not he should marry Faithy, okay? And Faith did not cast lots to determine if she should marry Andrew. I, I don't think that's a good way to make decisions for the most part. Why? Because after this, the Holy Spirit is poured out on his people, And I believe that as we are reading the Word of God, letting the Holy Spirit apply the Word of God to our lives so that our hearts and our minds are being shaped more and more by Scripture, I think that the Spirit gives us wisdom in making decisions. Does that make sense? So, just to say that. All right. So, real quickly. Real quickly. This passage is about finding the right replacement for Judas. Anybody disagree with that? No, we're all agree. All right, so this is what the text is about. But in this text, I think there are a couple of really good takeaways for us. I do. Actually, I think there are three, three. And there's probably more, but I just want to focus on three today. Okay, number one, number one, uh, the, uh, kind of a um, a life point, a point to live by. Uh, uh, number one, and this is in your notes. Number one, uh, what does this text teach us about prayer? Uh, number one, simply this: we need to devote. Can you say devote? We need to devote ourselves continually. Can you say continually? To prayer. Can you say prayer? Continually devote ourselves to prayer. Oh, I got to read this. Should have put it in my notes. I didn't. Sorry. Um. There's a guy named Howard Marshall. He's with the Lord now. He was a a theologian, a Bible scholar. Uh, But in his commentary on this, he said, If the Holy Spirit is the divine gift which empowers and guides the church, and he is, if the Holy Spirit is the divine gift which empowers and guides the church, the corresponding human attitude towards God is prayer. See, if it's the Holy Spirit who leads us and guides us, then our attitude should be an attitude of prayer. It is as the church prays that it receives the Spirit. So at the outset, Luke emphasizes that the disciples spent the time of waiting for the Spirit in an attitude of continuous and united prayer. Prayer needs to define the posture of the Christian. It is it is It needs to define the posture of the church. We are to be a praying church. This is why we rally every month, the first Sunday of the month, at 6.30 here, to pray together. That we should rally. This is why we make prayer an important part of our small groups, right? This is why we make prayer a part of what we do on Sunday mornings. Is that we need to continually devote ourselves to prayer. By the way, there are 364 references to prayer in the Bible. I counted them. No, I'm just kidding. I looked it up. Uh, There are 364 references to prayer. Interesting, though. 364. 60 of those references are by Luke. 60 of the 364, almost one sixth of the references on prayer, are made uh, by Luke in the Gospel of Luke and in the book of Acts. And, um, real quick, what what in luke five sixteen the bible says that Jesus would often withdraw to lonely places to pray sometimes we need to be alone in prayer in luke six six twelve says that Jesus went up on a high mountain, spent the whole night in prayer sometimes we need to spend extended time in prayer in luke twenty two forty uh, uh, Jesus instructed his disciples to pray so they would not fall into temptation. hey if you're struggling with temptation, if you're getting your butt kicked. Can I say that in church? Okay. If you're getting your butt kicked over and over and over again in an area of a besetting sin, let me suggest you spend a lot more time in prayer. Spend a lot more time in giving thanks to God. Spend a lot more time in worshiping God. See, the more sin in essence is a form of worship. We're worshiping something that we think gives us meaning or purpose or pleasure apart from God. But when we worship, we delight in it and find our pleasure in Him. Uh, Jesus said, pray so that you will not fall into temptation. Uh, what the Bible says here, uh, let me read it for you. The NIV says it this way. They all joined together constantly. Can you say constantly? constantly? Constantly in prayer. And then the New American Standard translates to the text this way. It says, all these were continually devoting. Can you say continually devoting? continually devoting themselves with one mind to prayer. I'm going to say this. It's got to get said. Okay, this is really important. What should we be praying about? Now, we can pray about all kinds of things. Now, I'm praying for my sister-in-law. She is on hospice, and she's dying. Uh, My uh, friend, John, who is going to be, I'm going to be the grandfather of my grandbaby. Isn't, Isn't that the way it works? I'm the grandfather. But there's another grandfather, my son's. Father-in-law, John. He is a friend. I would have chosen John as my friend, even if our kids never met and never married. I really like John. I really do. I admire him. I respect him. He was just diagnosed with stage four colon cancer. Doctor said, you're going to die. We think we can give you some good years. I pray for my, I pray for my friend, John. Uh, I, I pray about things like that. But let me tell you, I think we pray for our friends. We pray for our family members before the service began, you know. Sandy, we prayed. We prayed for Sharon, who's having some health issues. You know, we prayed. And I pray for you guys. I pray for health issues in your lives. But we need to pray about more than health issues. We do. When you read through the book of Acts, the kinds of things that they prayed for were things like kingdom expansion, open doors for the gospel, courage to proclaim the gospel even when they face persecution. Let me give you three things I think we need to be praying about as a church. Can I do this? I've been praying for open doors to the gospel. This Friday, I have been invited to speak before a group of community leaders, including our county board of supervisors and others. April is National Child Abuse Month. Did y'all know that? This month is National Child Abuse Month. Did you know last year in Solana County, seven children in this county were killed? Were killed through child abuse. Yeah, two more children, they took their lives because of what they were going through in their homes. Another child uh, died from fentanyl. Anyway, they've asked me to come. They've asked me to speak. And I've said, that's fine. I'll be there. I said, but just understand, I'm a minister of the gospel. Everywhere I go, I talk about Jesus. Is that going to be a problem? And I said, and also just so you know, I, I, when I talk, I talk about the Bible. I do that. I'll lead you in a moment of silence. I'll pray during that moment of silence. But I will talk about Jesus, and I will talk about the Bible. Uh, she said, well, I think that's okay. <laughs> so I scripted it out, what I thought I would say, sent it to her. She said, we'd be honored to have you. This is what I'd like you to do. Uh, I'll send you out when I'm going to do it, where I'm going to do it. I'd like to invite you to be present. You know, anybody who wants to be there, it's going to be at 12 on um, uh, Friday afternoon. This normally only my day off. But I thought, you know, I've been praying for open doors for the gospel. I can't walk by this. I can't pass this by. Just to go over to Napa and eat at so Rosita. I need to be there. I need to represent Jesus to these people. I'd like you to pray for me. I'd like you to pray for me. I'd like you to pray for open doors for the gospel. I'd like you to pray that people will be responsive to the gospel. Would you do that for me, please? Since you're my church, can I ask you to do that for me? Uh, you know, what should we pray for? I think we should be praying for spiritual renewal and revival in our lives. I do. Can you do that? Can you pray with me for spiritual renewal and revival in our lives? And and also, a third thing is is that 28 years ago, actually 29 years ago, actually, 30 years in October. This is crazy. I can't believe it. 30 years ago, this October, Joy and I moved here. There was no church. There was no paycheck. We had to raise all our own support. We didn't receive a paycheck from the church until about five years into starting our church. We came here to plant a church that would reach people who don't go to church. We came here to tell people about Jesus. That's why we're still here today. We will not quit. I will not quit. My wife will not quit. Um, so we didn't come here for the paycheck, just so you know, all right? We didn't come here because there was already something established that, you know, would take care of us. We didn't do that. What I would like you to do with me is to pray for the next fantastic hire for Solana Valley Church. Because I am actively looking for someone who's fantastic who's in their 20s or their 30s. When Joy and I moved here, she was in her 20s, I was in my 30s, and we reached a lot of people in their 20s and their 30s. By the way, every day, every week, anybody who's with me at any coffee shop in town, you've seen me, I'm in relationship with people, and and I often talk to, to people about Jesus. But I really think that what we need is we need a fantastic person who is a missionary, a missionary. Someone who has a compulsion for reaching millennials and Jim's ears with the gospel message. Would you pray with me for the next person to come in? And this is not my replacement. This is someone to work alongside me. Okay? I I, I intend never to give up, never quit. I do intend one day for someone else to be the pastor here. Don't don't get me wrong. But I'm going to do ministry until I die. Because I, I don't think you retire from a calling. I don't think you retire... You can retire from a career. That's fine. I don't think you retire from a calling. Okay, what to pray about? Okay, two other principles real fast. I apologize. I'm going wrong. Uh, Number one, we need to devote ourselves continually to prayer. Number two, we need to be united in prayer. I love the way the Bible... The the New American Standard translates this verse. It says, all these were continually devoting themselves with one mind. Can you say one one mind? They were united in prayer. The English Standard Version says it this way, all these with one accord. Can you say one accord? accord. We're devoting themselves to prayer. You see, their prayer was united. Unity is very important to God. Number three, what does this text teach us about Scripture? Number three, Scripture is given to us by the Holy Spirit through people. This book is not just a collection of good advice from godly people. That's not what this book is. This book is a collection, is actually, it's a library, not a book. It's 66 books. 66 books written by 40 different authors over a time frame of roughly 1,500 years. These authors came from very diverse backgrounds. Uh, some, one was a tent maker, one was a doctor, Luke. Some were shepherds, some were fishermen. They came from a lot of different kinds of backgrounds. A couple of them were kings. Uh, They came, uh, a couple of them were priests. They came from a lot of different kinds of backgrounds. And they write one story, one story. It's the story of how God made all things good, how sin entered God's good creation, and with sin came suffering and death. And then how God is redeeming mankind and humanity and all of his creation. And how one day all things will be good again. Revelation 21, 22. First two chapters, Genesis 1 and 2, all things are good. Revelation 21 and 22, all things are good. The Revelation 21 and 22 is the restoration of Eden. Um, This... Was not given to us. Uh, this is not just good advice. It's good news. It is not the word of men. It is the word of God. That, that, that Peter affirms his brothers and sisters. The scripture had to be fulfilled. In which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago. The Holy Spirit speaks to you every time you open the Bible and read it. Which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through David. Through David. It is the words of the Holy Spirit. It is the words of God through uh, men. Um, You know, Peter, y'all know who Peter is? We've been talking about Peter today, right? Later, Peter says this. This is P this is Second Peter chapter one, verses twenty-twenty-one. Uh and what Peter writes again, the same guy who's just been talking to you know, all these hundred and twenty people. And Peter says this above all you must understand you must understand that no no prophecy of scripture this is a prophetic word. No prophecy of scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. The prophet's own understanding of things. This is not the words just of a mere man and his understanding or his interpretation. This is the Word of God. He goes on to say this. He says, Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things, for prophecy never had its origin. Never, never, never had its origin in the human will. But prophets spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. What the Bible tells us, Second Corinthians chapter, excuse me, Second uh, Timothy chapter three verses sixteen and seventeen says this. It says that it's not in your slide. Sorry, you can write it down in your notes, I, or maybe I have it in your notes. I can't remember. But Second Timothy three sixteen and seventeen says this: All Scripture—that's this, what we have right here, this little library, sixty-six books—all Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training and righteousness. That the man the woman, the servant of God, may be adequate, equipped for every good work. I'm going to go ahead and ask the worship team to come up, please. See, it is the Word of God, Scripture, that is inspired by God, by the Holy Spirit, through people, that instructs us in all matters of life. That that it instructs us, it is what equips us, To live lives that are holy and pleasing to God. Let me pray for us and I'll turn it over to the worship team. God, you are great. You are awesome. You are good. Uh, God, we want to worship you. God, the Father, uh, creator of all things. We want to worship you, Lord Jesus. We want to worship you for laying down your life for our sins. And for taking up your life again when you were resurrected. Holy Spirit, we want to worship you and give you thanks for how you work in our lives, causing us to be born again. And how you work in us, sealing us for the day of redemption. And how you work in our lives, filling us with your presence and your power to follow Jesus and live out the fruit of the Spirit. God, we want to be people of prayer like this text talks about. We want to constantly, continually devote ourselves and give ourselves to prayer. God, we want to pray with one accord. We want to pray with one purpose. We want to pray with one mind. We want to pray united. God, united. We want to pray. For open doors for the gospel. God, I pray this Friday as I speak to people in our community. Lord, please speak through me and touch the lives of people. Be preparing right people right now. For what you want me to say to them. And preparing me for what you want me to say to them. God, I pray for open doors for the gospel. God, I pray that we'll be a people, of prayer, who are united in prayer. And I pray, God, for open doors for the gospel. I pray, God, um, I pray for that next fantastic young staff person who comes to our church. Who's their 20s, 30s. Who is a missionary who is a person who has a burden from you and a calling from you to reach Gen Z and to reach millennials in our community. To be a part of the bridge to the future of this ministry, touching the lives of lost people in this community in the next few generations. Lord, I pray for that person. God, make us to be people of your word. Lord, I pray that our hearts, our minds, our attitudes would all be shaped by your word. And I pray this in Jesus' name and for your glory. Amen.
0: Church, let's stand together one more time.